friends! Welcome to episode 71 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up to the next level. I am Sarah. And I am Rob. How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing alright. You? I'm doing great, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's been a decent week. It's uh, It's been an okay week. Um, yeah. Work had me absolutely piled under, and I finally dug to the end of that pile today. Fair. Fair enough. Uh, I think so you're just... saying the corporation had you pinned down? Oh, the corporation, man. Oh. Uh. We're going to be talking a lot about corporations. The man. The man. The man had me down. That's right. Um, but uh, uh, also, um, we recently did... A, so, so tonight's one of our system spotlights. Uh, we're doing that on Shadowrun tonight. But uh, pursuant to our last system spotlight for Adventure, Tales of the Aeon Society, mm-hmm. um, apparently uh, Onyx Path Games saw our... Who is the current holder of the IP. Yes. Uh, saw our tweet... Yeah. And uh, responded to it and uh, let us Very know thoughtful. a little bit about the current state of uh, their game. It's called Trinity Continuum now. Which we are excited to take a look at. Yeah, we are very excited to take a look at that. And uh, they've got, uh, it looks like they're they're kind of, um, it used to be three distinct games. And it looks like they're right. kind of trying to like blur the lines on it a little bit and hmm. let you play different types of characters from each of the genres in their in different timelines. Ooh. Um, and then they're adding in a few more of their own. Okay. They said they're doing a book on assassins that's going to be like a very John Wick feel sort of, okay. sort of thing all to right, it. Okay, all right, all um, right. But uh, uh, worth giving them a look. Uh, this is Onyx Path Games. Uh, the, the the main book is called Trinity Continuum. Sure. Uh, so if you were enticed by that uh, by the system spotlight and you want to look at it. Keep going. Um, so Trinity is, uh, looks like Trinity's out there. A few other things are out there. Um Aberrant, I believe, is out, or at least it's coming soon. Yes. And uh, Adventure is in the works. Wow. All uh, right. Full, full rewrite of, of it under the new uh, Story Path system. Well, I know I look forward to seeing that. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Did you have anything else uh, before we roll right into uh, into Shadowrun? No. I mean, if you, uh, I, I threw a couple of new tracks in there. I know I was saying I was going to use Arcane Anthems for intros, but uh, this is Shadowrun. I, 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 I couldn't find anything techno. His stuff is is very uh, classic fantasy. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did a little digging and uh, pulled together some tracks. If you're interested to see what those are, uh, they'll be up on the site uh, with uh, with their accreditations there and some links to them if you want to pull them down and use them in your own game. Yeah, go to uh, Storyteller conclave.com yep but we're talking shadowrun we are talking shadowrun now when we started this uh-huh. and after our discussions between yesterday and today did you feel like there was some depth you missed <laughs> uh, there, well yeah i was i was yesterday years old when i learned that uh what was it planescape uh yeah. apparently ties into the whole shadowrun storyline i had no idea about that um, but yeah, no, they like, here's, so my experience of Shadowrun. Or you're talking Earth Dawn, not Planescape. Or Earth Dawn, not Earth Planescape. Dawn. Yeah, Earth yeah, Dawn. Earth Dawn was the fourth world. Right. We're living in the fifth world. And, and Shadowrun, Shadowrun is, is the, the sixth, sixth world. world. And if you know any of that, then welcome to the show. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're already doing <laughs> you're better already than I doing was better. 24 hours ago. So, so let's, let's take a step back and say Fossa made Shadowrun. Fossa made Shadowrun. Um, back in the day, I was, yep. so my, my experience with it was the Fossa version right, of Shadowrun. Right, right. Same um, here. Second First edition, point. Second edition uh, Shadowrun when I played it. Yep, yep. Uh, Fossa at the time was also making um, Battletech. Yes. Uh, around that time, they also came out with Crimson Skies uh, and uh, a miniatures game called Vor. Yes, yes, uh, which, which was kind of a, um, as as we were learned, as we found out, it is 
kind of like a conglomerate use of any minis. It, yeah. It's, it's an excuse to use any of the minis that you have and make yourself a little group. Right. And right, basically right, right. play a, a Warhammer-esque game. And yeah. it's that's neat. I it's think that's neat. great. I mean, basically, you can grab whatever you got to make mm-hmm. what you got work. Uh, but uh, it, it allows you to make your own uh, your own army, your own units, everything, mm-hmm. which is great. I think that's fantastic. Uh, so Fossa isn't around anymore, though. Unfortunately, uh, Fossa was what uh, they they is it they 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 were Inception in uh, 1989, or was it that they published Shadowrun? They published they published uh, Shadowrun in 1989, okay. and it okay. it stuck around till 2001, um, with Wiz Kids kind of falling in line there at the end. Right, yeah, when um, Fossa folded and all their their IPs got bought. Yeah, and, and went in various directions. Some of the the um some of the digital stuff went over to Microsoft, some of the um some of the tabletop stuff kind of went to another group which ended up becoming Tops mm-hmm. um along with parts of WizKids. So, uh if you're you may have come in at a point where you've seen little minis and if you guys remember a minis game for Sh- Shadowrun, that was Tops that had done that. Um and then uh, Catalyst Games actually picked it back up, mm-hmm. uh, and in 2013 um, was when we had Fifth Edition released. Yep. Um, and then we had Sixth in 2019. Yeah, very recently. Um, I remember yeah. seeing the release for that when I was on vacation last year. Yep, yep. And they're they're very gung ho about it. Um, and the whole time that this has been going on, which is something really, I would say, I'm not going to say really unique. It's something really startling. Mm-hmm. Is that the canon? for what is Shadowrun has become unchanged. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to understand that Fossa had built this canon so hard and so well that it had to carry on. Oh, yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and what, what it what it made and what, what kind of world it, it made for everything to be. Um, and I think, I mean, uh, Overwatch was talking with us last night about it because uh, if there's any if there's any god in our community that knows Shadowrun well, it is, he is a devotee. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he bows at the garden of, of Shadowrun uh, and uh, does it very, very well. Um, so... Understand that uh, if you've got questions, I would throw them his way uh, before you throw it at one of us. But uh, we're pretty decent. We can answer some of them. Uh, but keep in mind that Fossa had properties. And one of the things that they did great, which we're, we're probably going to end up breaking down in uh-huh. a full show, um, is their story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their world. I, I've, I've said literally since high school that Fossa could write an amazing world. Their world building mm-hmm. was was always so great. The characterizations were great. The flow of their story, like their their living worlds was really great. But boy, those guys could not write a, a game system to save their lives. And uh, I, I found that I always had this love-hate relationship. And, and this is coming from, again, someone who played Palladium, you know? <laughs> And I really hated some of their game systems. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that I hated the systems. They were complex and they were complicated. They were not to the level of Palladium mm-hmm. because there were some distinct differences there. And we'll get into that a little bit as we go into the mechanics of things. Um, but it made for a very different design in the way that you looked at the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the real key there is that it was layered mechanics whereas a lot of games it's not layered it's required mechanics mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if you want to do something these are the required mechanics that sit behind it yeah 
And whereas with with the Fossa products, even BattleTech to a degree, oh yeah, you yeah. can pull back layers and still have a complete game and enjoy it. Sure, like you don't need to be using the Mech Warrior stuff to play BattleTech, mm-hmm. but you could. But you could, yeah. You know, and even some of the the newer stuff that they've released, they remind people that like, hey, if you're just playing a light game with your friends. Planet on an Arctic planet and throw the the throw the heat management out. Right. And right, just enjoy right, yourself. Right. Yeah. Don't worry about ammo count. You'll probably be dead before you run out anyways. <laughs> you know? So there's a there's a certain sense of that. But you, it, on the other hand, if you want to track every bullet and every gun and know that the third cartridge in this clip that's on your right hip is two tracer rounds, two incendiary rounds, and then three high-velocity rounds... That's a thing. Yeah. You can track that. Like that to that level of detail. As well as the fact that the pocket that's directly below that carries your Superman first edition comic that you gotta deliver. Like that kind of crap. And that's that's all within the game's purview. Just unbelievable. Yeah. So let let's step into this a little bit, um with without going too far, I'm gonna kinda take a step. So beyond just the, the whole catalyst games picking it up. One of the things that they have, which mimics a lot of what D&D did, and I, I'm not too sure exactly who picked it up first, because my memory's a little light here, but they had Shadowrun Missions, which is a living, breathing continuation of missions that they keep releasing, mm-hmm. so that you can basically take your character and go to conventions and go to events and continue playing the same character in different missions. Oh, yeah, okay. So, so kind of like Adventurer's League. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, and in that, it it's kept the genre alive. Mm-hmm. People keep playing Shadowrun. And even the transitions between 5th and 6th edition, they tried to make it as seamless as possible for people mm-hmm. so that you could easily shift right into it and keep right on rolling. Yeah, I remember um, when 6th edition came out, uh, I was watching uh, some videos online going, you know, well, I, I, just, I wanted to see basically how it had evolved because I, re- I hadn't really played it since 2nd edition, but with the, the brief game that overwatch ran for us and I, I believe using fourth edition mm-hmm. um so i i wanted to watch a video just to see like you know what had changed what it updated and stuff like that and it was still you know still very recognizable as shadow run mm-hmm. but it looked like from fifth to sixth a lot of the the um uh a lot of the the changes were quality of life improvements yes. you know we found that in gameplay you know using this stat for this was very uh you know cumbersome so we've just streamlined it so it's not even its own st- its own separate stat now you just use this stat instead yes and you use that stat for a b and c instead of th- separate stats for all of them you know little things like that but it was very still shadow run yeah i i would agree with that and i i think even as we're talking the mechanics, I'll break down some of that. But effectively, some of the ways that the you uh, the 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 terminology and the archetypes, mm-hmm. some of the things that they did with um, how the technology works, made it easier for the storyteller. Yeah, and it was all just to try and streamline the game and make it a little faster. Not unlike what D and D did with oh, yeah. their fifth edition. Yeah, so. absolutely. And then, I mean, that's that's what got me back into D and D. So I mean, maybe it's maybe it's time to give Shadowrun another look. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, always a second look. Absolutely. Um, one of the other things that uh, that they did too, though, um, not only with their with their whole living world and stuff like that, but uh, and Fossa was kind of uh, kind of famous for this, um, especially back in the day, releasing novels uh, of their of their story. Uh, I read a good number of the BattleTech novels, and Shadowrun was no exception. They actually released a good number of Shadowrun novels as well, um, and so. That really helped, um, you know, for those of you who, who go out and read those, 
uh, to really have a kind of a living example of what Shadowrun should play out like. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you had an example of, of you know, what that game world looked like in a very living, breathing sense. And these weren't, like, real throwaway novels either. No. Like, there was some really well-written stuff in there from some pretty high-profile authors, too. Oh, very much so. Very much. I mean, I was lucky enough to sit across from one mm-hmm. <laughs> and play some Battletech because he, he wrote for both worlds. Um, and it was really neat to try and just uh, go back to some of his stuff, which was written in the books, not even the novels. He did, I think, do two novels, um, as well, but, uh, just the way the writing moves within the books themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to say Fossa was one of the first people to really bring the world into the creation of the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and if you remember, um, fourth edition D&D. And uh, 3.5. Mm-hmm. The book actually had, like, art done a little differently. And sometimes the spells were described in a certain way. Yeah. And it felt like the book was its own grimoire uh-huh. of D&D. And I, I, I think that that is kind of an ode back to what they did. Sure. In making it feel like that. I mean, there were whole sections of the book that were written in a, a bulletin board kind of forum. Yeah, like, like a message board yeah. sort of thing. You know, where you're, you're you're discovering things about what's happening in the world through this format. I remember uh, one of them was like a weapons guide. Yeah. And there was this like uh, uh, some sort of like an assault rifle or something like that that was like a really super high caliber weapon. Mm-hmm. And there's just this little snippet at the bottom that mm-hmm. was like, you know, oh yeah, you know, th- this thing high caliber. High caliber doesn't begin to describe it. I used the bullets for this thing. It was paperweights. Yeah. Like, um, and then like the message underneath that was like, paperweights no you know uh, no no crap like this thing is silent as it is deadly too someone was firing this thing in the room next to me and it sounded like a typewriter yeah you know <laughs> exactly and, and just seeing these you know quote-unquote users yep that are just discussing this on a message board format kind of gives you this right. very living feel of you know of the of the format of the world so exactly and it's i would say that uh well, let's let's talk a little bit about the world right. and about what the setting is. Now, cyberpunk is the term that people generally use for it. Cyberpunk is the, the quickest word to go to, but right. it's not the right word. It is it is dystopian future, mm-hmm. and I, I, I think it's said best in the term high-tech low-life. <laughs> what, what did I say last night? It's it's not true cyberpunk unless it's from the cyberpunk ver- uh, uh, region of France. Correct. Otherwise, it's just sparkling dystopia. That's correct. That is correct. <laughs> but... Um, Cyberpunk itself is a, a term that's kind of been coined, um, if you're talking within the genre, about the idea of fighting the, I guess, the totalitarian of it, mm-hmm. um, whatever it may be within that world, uh, from a low tech, from a high tech but low life standing, meaning the, from the bottom of the barrel, um, and doing it um, with a sense of like community as well mm-hmm. that there's a that there is a fighting community there's a resistance level to it yeah. the difference is with Shadowrun is that literally the game puts you in a position where you know where you sit in the pecking order automatically you're not fighting or resisting anyone to start with you are literally at the bottom of the barrel just trying to make ends meet mm-hmm. regardless of what your class or status is as you step into the game because you can step into the game with quite a bit of funding and and kit it out but in the end you need money to survive. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what the game is about, is how do you set that level of survival versus how well do you put yourself against the world? Mm-hmm. And I say the world in the sense of corporations The corporations, general. because essentially in this dystopian future, uh, there have been uh, 
certain governmental rulings and stuff like that yeah. um, that have essentially given uh, de facto nationhood to, to corporations. To corporations. Yeah, and they're 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 large them to structures. Field their own standing armies to defend themselves yeah. versus corporate espionage. And there's stuff a like lot that. of detail to the history, but effectively, yes. But so so basically, oh, and there's dragons and magic. Yeah. So <laughs> so the corporations are the new are the new state. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And so you are living in the shadows between these corporations, just fighting to survive. Yeah. And, and, and there's dragons and stuff. Yeah. And you might be making a name for yourself or you may be trying to get out of the game mm-hmm. or or maybe you're just trying to get just enough. Like maybe you're that guy trying to get just enough money to get done and retire mm-hmm. and, and live somewhere light, you know, maybe in Tiernanog, you, know? you know, exactly. Maybe yeah. somebody burned you and you, you dipped into the shadows to try to try to find the right way to seek justice on your, on your own. Yeah. But the one thing that it did really well is that. It gave you a position that you are a shadow runner. It's the name of the game. It puts you right into position. Like, and and I, I loved this writing. I'm going to read this directly as verbatim. When conflicts arise, corporations, governments, organized crime syndicates, and even wealthy individuals uh, subcontract their dirty work to specialists, who then perform shadow runs or missions undertaken by deniable assets without identities, who uh, or who uh, those uh, that wish to remain unknown. And I thought that that was a perfect way of putting it. Basically, That's right from the Shadowrun wiki. Yep. Yeah. Um, actually, from Wikipedia. Okay. Um, but one of the things about that is is that you always go to the same named individual. It is a Johnson. Yep. He's Mister Johnson. Mister Johnson. Why? And, because he wishes to remain anonymous. Yep. And so he's just Mister so Johnson. It may be some dude in the back of a bar. On the other hand, it may be some dude in a club, mm-hmm. or it may be some guy who pulls up in a you know you know in a, a hover Cadillac. Or it may be maybe a dude you just teleconference with him. Yeah, or maybe it's a dude under a bridge. Like mm-hmm. they're all named Mister Johnson. Yep, and you work for them to get your jobs. Yep, and your status means a lot. Not just if you lived or died, or if you finished the job, but your status, how well you did it. Actually, you know, for I mean, for for Shadowrun inspiration, um, one thing I would actually watch. Uh, you know, obviously it's not cyberpunk, but uh, like Ocean's Eleven is a great, like, inspiration sort of Shadowrun because you've got a group of individuals all have their own specific jobs to do to do this mission. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and they all know their place in it. Uh, and they all kind of wish to, you know, just do the job and then you walk away because this is, you know, it's a criminal enterprise and you're just not, you're not getting involved. It's It tells those kind of stories very well. I would agree. I would agree. It is, it is the fringe. It is the um, leverage. Leverage. I was going to say is, leverage. Yeah. It is everything. What it comes to fighting back as a team mm-hmm. in some way, but having every single person doing it for a different reason. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, another good one is uh, your other favorite. Um, uh, burn notice. Burn notice is yes. another good. Uh, a point that clo- gets close to that mm-hmm. because again you're wor- you were thrown out you're trying to work your way back in maybe maybe yeah but trying to uncover the layers of mystery there but you know it's but it's a job and sometimes you got to get your hands dirty and stuff like that and i, I think it's, those are really great sources of inspiration even without touching on the the cyberpunk aspect of it you know obviously you go to like blade runner for that um but very much so you know where where else would you reach uh, for, um, for aesthetic, um, you know, sort of sort of inspiration. I think that uh, it depends on what direction you're going. There's a lot of corporate-based stories that fit, but I think Shadowrun uh, mimics the um, 
the dystopian nature of uh, Blade Runner very cleanly. Mm-hmm. Like you can mm-hmm. you can connect directly to those uh, those types of stories. Um, but there's a lot of actual written stories that it follows a lot closer. Was it Neuromancer? I believe Neuromancer. Was the, yep, is one of them. Kind of uh, kicked the, the the cyberpunk genre off, or at least or at least inspired a lot of yeah. what we know as modern cyberpunk. Neuromancer. Um, uh, Snow Crash. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Johnny Mnemonic is another good example. Oh, Johnny of, Mnemonic was phenomenal. Yeah. If you yeah. know Johnny Mnemonic, you've pretty much seen a Blade Runner. Yeah, I mean, he effectively is a solo or Blade Shadow, Runner Shadow or Runner. Shadow Runner. Yeah, um, um, he's effectively a Shadow Runner. Yeah, he's a doctor. He's, he's 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 a solo, but pretty much everything in that movie is from Shadow Run or cyber, you know, cyberpunk in general. Right down to the monofilament. Whip. Yeah. The only thing again that that's all missing is this. This uh, fantasy element that gets thrown, the mm-hmm. sixth world element. So one of the things that Shadowrun does differently than most cyberpunks game is it adds in this concept that goblinization occurred. So basically, magic researches uh, due to an event, and uh, you have el- you, people basically start mutating into orcs and elves and trolls, which they were before. Mm-hmm. They just didn't know it. And so as it comes out, There's and even not dragons... enough magic in the world for right. them to express that. Correct. And but, now there is, and things like Atlantis, and Tirnanog, and Tirtanjire, and all these mythical places are there, mm-hmm. are back again, and showing themselves in full uh, full skin. Uh, dragons flying out of Mount Fuji. Some of them trying to become president. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the cultures that are that were more in tune with the, fl- you know, the ebb and flow of magic in the world, uh, such as the Native Americans and such like that... Um, started actually seeing a lot of their their power come back and because they were more in tune with it they were more yeah. ready for it and uh so you've got actually like a corporation called as technology mm-hmm. uh came back um there are like whole they they carved whole nations out yeah. um so there was a great resurgence of 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 native american political and, so, mm-hmm. and social power um shamans are very much a thing now uh, very because, much because the spirits are real you can yes. talk to them yes you know <laughs> The, and 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 interact with them um and and bugs are a thing uh there are some very very giant horrific bugs out there as well mm-hmm. so um ghouls and yetis and you know everything you can think a of. lot of the skim the skim the D monster manual and it's probably somewhere in Shadowrun. Yeah, we can't guarantee it's so it's it's social, but uh, but you it's know, also not a direct comparison. You're not gonna you, you'll find the creature, but it's not gonna be what's listed there. Right, right. Like you could be a troll, hanging out in you know pulley up. Yeah, you know? yeah. And troll trolls aren't going to be horrible monsters. Trolls are your, your next door neighbor. They're sentient. You know. But at the same time, you you take them to Upton, and uh, they the unless you're the bouncer, you're not getting in the club because they don't like metas. Yeah. Like racism is a huge thing. Oh, it is. Um, and it's 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 no longer. Oh, you're from this country. It's you're mm. literally a dwarf, and Asian. You should die. Yeah. You should just kill yourself. And the you know? pointy ears on your head. We don't feed weed eaters here. Exactly. Know? Yeah. I mean, these are all things. Um, and uh, along with that came a whole bunch of terminology that they threw in the book. Throughout the book, and then at the end, basically gave you an index of oh, terms. Yeah. It had its own. It had its own lexicon. Like they mm-hmm. they built their own slang for the future, and then and then just leaned into it. Uh, you know, t- calling your friends chummers. Yes. Uh, you know uh, the words uh, uh, frag and frag and drek, drek. Were, were your yep. your big uh, your big go to swear words. Yep. Yeah. Um, Stuffer shack, which was your basically your seven eleven. Seven elevens. Yep. 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 Um, 
Yep. Stim packs, which, you know, you, you had dock wagons. Mm-hmm. You know, these were all terms that they, they came up with as ways for you to feel connected to the genre. Mm-hmm. And I think all of this helped. And it did things that no other game system was doing at that time. It it wrapped you in a world that you could then do something with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a complete world. And as I said, it carried even through the additions. Nothing changed. Um, as far as the world, like the world may moved forward years to year. And it was funny. There was a time when you could actually look at the current date and know what edition you were in uh-huh. and what the year was in, uh, in, uh, Shadowrun. Now that changed. It screwed a lot of people up. Um, but <laughs> so it effectively used to be 61 years in the future. Correct. Correct. And you could move forward with that. And as mm-hmm. they released things, it matched up. Now I think sixth edition, they said is uh, 2082. Is where we're sitting right now in time, mm-hmm. um, so not eh, not exact anymore. So, uh, but yeah, it started off in uh, when, when it was published in 1989. Uh, started off in 2050. Yes. Yep. Yep. So and I was actually just saying, just saying to, to you guys last night, like it was. It's funny to me that the ubiquitousness of tabletop role playing games um, has gone on so long. The or ubiquity, I believe, uh, of, of tabletop role playing games has gone on so long that. Um, we're actually starting to hit some of those mythical distant future dates. It's true. You know, like Shadowrun is not so far. In, like first edition Shadowrun, at least, is not so far in the future anymore that we can't see it. You know, technically it started, it, its storyline starts, I think, in 2012. Um, yeah. Is when, it, is when it actually diverges from our futures, when we get that magical influx back in. Um, and like Aberrant, when we talked about that, uh, was actually set in 2008. Uh, no, they've they've bumped it to 2028, yeah. I believe, in the new version of it from Onyx Path. But uh, it's it's strange to go back to older versions of some of these futuristic games and see like, oh wow, that was eight years ago <laughs> in the the distant future, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it, and uh, it's funny that we had this. I mean, let, let, let's take it back for just a second here and, and kind of give a weird dystopian of this, but. Mm-hmm. Well, during the Cold War, we were pretty confident that we were just going to be gone. Yeah. That it was just a matter of years before we're gone. Not mm-hmm. not decades. So, talking about a distant future where everything's been annihilated and we're starting over again, or, or semi-version of that. Mm-hmm. You know, corporations stepped up so that we weren't annihilated, basically, but it doesn't mean that we weren't well on the way there. Right. You know, uh, Rifts kind of did that. Uh, um BattleTech did that. Uh, I mean, Star Trek said it was it had happened. Um, so the fact that we survived the Cold War is was is is a huge step. I mean, if you went back in time to those people, they'd be like, "So how is it in 2020? Is everybody irradiated? Like, are are you drinking water from you know you purified systems and your skin slowly sloughing off? No, no, we're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Mm, I mean, it's kind of it's okay in comparison, but at the same time, like this was unbelievable to them. So mm-hmm. writing dystopians that were 20 years in the future, 30 years in the future. Yeah. You know, seemed pretty plausible. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. and now here we are. Like, also, we don't have flying cars, but, you know, we could buy, a, you know, 10 years from now, maybe. Maybe. I mean, look at what's happened already. I mean, we could have a whole discussion about that, but let, let's digress back right, to the right, game right, here right. a little bit more. So, um, so that being said, um, what we're going to focus on today is basically 4th edition and beyond. There was a few differences between 4th and 4th uh, to 6th edition, but effectively the mechanics we'll focus on are effectively starting there. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that the game is based upon is 
um, basic dice mechanics. It's yes. it's the the simplest is that if you if you've ever played White Wolf, keep that in your mind. Mm-hmm. You know those types of games. So you're rolling a pool of dice. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get a certain number or higher on those dice. Correct. And every individual die that rolls above that threshold is kept as a success. That's correct. And you're going to tally successes yep. rather than an individual number to try to reach a threshold. Exactly. Now they do have ones. And ones do have a value. And if you get half of the dice that you roll, so whatever your pool size is, if half of those dice are ones, you have a glitch. Mm -hmm. Now, a glitch isn't like a critical mistake or anything like that, or Mm -hmm. it's not going to affect your your success. I mean, if you you did succeed, you still succeed. But there might be an added complication. You might succeed with consequences. Something misfortunate happens, you know. Um, Now, on the other hand, if you don't success, if you don't succeed, um... At all, like you make no hits, meaning you didn't succeed even in a single one, and you still had a f- glitch, it is a critical glitch. And at that point, it's, it's severe and could be fatal. Like, you know, maybe instead of shooting the guy around jams in your gun and backfires. So now there's a problem. You know, whereas, like, if you had successes, maybe you did, like, do a full rip of your gun, you know, empty it down to the the last round, but, like, the second to last round jams. Mm-hmm. So now you've got a jammed round in your gun, and mm-hmm. the clip won't come out. Yeah, you still shot the guy, but, yeah. you know. Versus it blows up in your face, you know. So, uh, you then have, you know, dice pools are task-specific. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got mechanics for those as well. So you have a whole pool of dice that you're moving from thing to thing. So some of you may have seen a meme about uh, Shadowrun, probably <laughs> the most common meme in existence about Shadowrun, and that is the gigantic bucket of D6. Yep. It's not that far off. No, it really isn't. It really isn't. And then you have Karma Pool. Now, Shadowrun is also a game where you don't have experience, per se. Mm-hmm. You have Karma, and Karma is what moves you forward. It costs Karma to change your skills. So it's effectively experience points, but it's a point by sort of, it's a currency. Yes. Correct, okay. correct. So rather than games like uh, like Dungeons and Dragons you might be used to, where you just accrue experience, and that experience, once it hits a certain threshold, you go up a level. Right. Okay. This is very much like, uh, actually, but more, more akin to White Wolf. Very much so. Um, where at the end of the session, I might award you, say, five to ten, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a good number. Mm, um, just go with it. But anyways, you know, five, five to ten experience points or whatever, or karma. Or karma points, um, at which point those will be used as currency to then upgrade your character in in a non-linear fashion. Yeah. So there's no levels in this system. Uh, there's no classes in this system. You just spend your points wherever it is you feel you need to improve your character. Right. And your karma pool determines how much you have. So you actually have a pool of dice that you can use and refreshes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, karma is also how you... Expend things. You could burn karma to do things. Uh-huh. So there's there's some playability there. Um, there's also a difference in the way that actions occur. Not necessarily the initiative, but think about it more along the layer that there are layers of things. So in this game, you have your physical stuff. You know, I'm shooting this guy. I'm punching this guy. We're doing this on the street. Mm-hmm. You then have the matrix and hacking. Now, 4th edition, 5th and 6th shifted things from it being a separate action set 
to kind of being a little bit more in line by giving, instead of being, I deck in and I'm literally in a totally different interface, right. disconnected. The Matrix actually used to be a lot more like like the movie, The, the Matrix, Matrix, right? in which you would be plugged in and essentially comatose mm-hmm. with a with a, with a a jack in your head yep. um, while you were experiencing stuff in an alternate world and working through the computer systems from the inside there. Yes. Now you're basically, you've got an overlay, so you're actually seeing The Matrix occur in a uh, augmented augmented reality reality. yes that's perfect um and so you can hack and technically shoot but there's some problems with doing that still splitting your attention essentially right you're you're literally splitting your dice but at least you can see what's going on in front of you instead of laying comatose in a van somewhere likewise if i'm doing something astrally or magically I'm fighting something that is unseen to everybody there, possibly. Mm-hmm. You know, I may be this weakling little, you know, uh, elf who sits in the corner and basically looks like a, a, you know, like an imp. But in the astral world, I am a huge hunking badass who can punch out, you know, pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of perspective of these each one of these layers of combat that layer on top of everything else. And I mean if your players don't have it then I mean it's not that big of a deal to pull it away and that's one of the things that makes this game really neat. Mm-hmm. Um is that you do have that flexibility. Um which kind of lends into the char- character creation aspects of that. See character creation has actually has always been my favorite aspect of um of Shadowrun. Um, because of how it's uh, how the whole system works for it, it's a priority system. Okay, so what you're given is basically different priorities of magical talent or um, wealth or uh, just raw stat points right. or skill points. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else is in there. That's four things, but anyways, so there's a couple other things. Resources. Like so, so you have your resources, which is money, right? You have your stat, your attributes, attributes, skills, skills magical talents. Oh, metahuman status. Metahuman status. Um, your so yep. your race is actually something. Um, so, anyways, you've got these five or six, uh, five or six different um, uh, categories, and you have to rank them essentially from highest to lowest priority. Meaning that if you want a boatload of of just raw attribute points, you can have that, but that might mean that you have to give up magical talent. Or that might mean you have to play a human instead of a troll like you really wanted to. Right. Um, There's bonuses or, and benefits or to you it. Might, or your character might be highly, you know, good in attributes, highly skilled, mm-hmm. but dirt poor. Yeah. You know? So it's a very give and take sort of system with a lot of variation to it. And so not everybody's necessarily going to come out 100% equal, but you're all going to come out balanced. And I think that's great. You know? Yeah, it's it was a different way of doing character design and allowing you to say, okay, what is the priority that I want to take? Uh, so Knox in the Box asks in the live chat, um, mm-hmm. do I have to spend points to build each version of myself, real and Matrix me? Um, no. Not really. Uh, Matrix U is a, is a is a program. It's a construct. It's a, it's a program. So um, what you what you're really spending there is not stat points, but money on good programs. Good gear. Think of it like putting together a computer. 
Um, and so you're, you're going to want to spend money on good versions of, you know, antivirus programs mm-hmm. and good versions on hacking programs. And your initial and, deck and the memory it has and the processor that it has. Exactly. And if it has add-on, add-on hardware or a secondary jack so that another decker could jack into it, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, literally every detail you think of from building a computer yep. is effectively available in the game. And then that creates your avatar strength and abilities within yep, the those, world. Those translate directly to your stats. And then of course, a lot of it is based off of like your hacking skill. So, yeah. so essentially your, your, your prowess of how you em- implement those things in the, in matrix mm-hmm. is basically just computer hacking. Yeah. You know, so it's pretty clean, but there's but there is some more like you know virtual reality sort of aspects to it, and from mm-hmm. a sci-fi sense of you know um, attack programs uh, called ICE, uh, intrusion mm-hmm. countermeasures, may be may actually look like physical monsters that are coming to attack you or something. Correct. You know, the, like the constructs at um uh at a at a specific um uh a, a, you know uh. Sorry, Jesus, my brains. Uh, Megacorp. Mm-hmm. Um, they their initial security might look like samurais, mm-hmm. and then behind that, it's like you know, it's deep intrusion security might look like dragons, like black dragons. Oni. Yeah, you know, and so or ghostly versions of mm-hmm. the other ones, and you know, everything's avatar has an image to it, but it doesn't necessarily make it any different than something else. It's a level of something, mm-hmm. and the security levels are things that you're breaking down, and eventually, you know, you can get access to things that aren't necessarily in the matrix, like cameras and door security and fire suppression systems, mm-hmm. and all of that. That's all part of it. So. This, it's it's actually one of the reasons why I find Shadowrun uh, very difficult to run and very difficult to wrap my head around because there are so many layers of things. Yeah, well, it's as layered as you want it to be. Well, but but that's the thing is it, is it just even from a world building standpoint? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it would be one thing if we were playing a cyberpunk game. Mm-hmm. Okay, I could definitely have an easy time wrapping my head around that. But this is a cyberpunk game with a living you know computer matrix. With a living internet that is a very real thing that interrupt interacts with the world, mm-hmm. on top of all the magical stuff, and it's like you're almost playing three games at once sometimes. Yeah, me. no, and, that's that's a great way of putting it. Uh, and so, because there's just so many things to juggle, for, personally, mm-hmm. I find that a little difficult to deal with. And uh, I, but again, the same could be said for people who are dealing with like. Uh, um, palladium psionic systems. Oh yeah, and crazies and all that kind oh, of hey, stuff. Oh yeah, I hated that stuff too. I yeah, want to yeah. be very clear. Yeah. <laughs> but you can always set limits to your story. Yes, and yes. and what you want your players to play. And so from that, you have like um, they give you archetypes, but those aren't necessarily hard fast rules. So like mm-hmm. someone who is heavily augmented but uses weapons and uses cyberware and bioware and might have a lot of physical combat, they might be classified as a street samurai. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas if you choose to have your body very natural and keep your essence very high, you know, and use your, your combat and, ma- and use magic in a physical sense, like a monk or something, you might be considered an adept. Mm-hmm. You have deckers and hackers, which are kind of the same thing now. Yeah. Um, who use systems and software, but you also have the ability to uh, control equipment as well, which was rigging, which was separated before, has now kind of come to, come back together as yep. all kinds of technology. Because it's, it's, it's basically just utilities on a network. Correct. And whether that's a gun drone or a security camera, yep. you're doing the same thing to it. Yep. Uh, we also now have technomancers that have been thrown into the yes. mix, which are mages that manipulate technology 
um, through magic. Uh, so that's that's kind of neat. Um, and then you've just got your straight up mages. Uh, your mages also come like in, in shamans who deal with spirits and such like that and get their their uh, magic through pacts uh, with the spirits. And you've got your straight up magicians who just are your good old fashioned D and D wizard style. Um, they they know calculus so they can manipulate the forces of the world uh, by reading a book. Um, yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, but you know, and it's but it's 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 cool because all of these things are. Um, very intrinsic parts of the world. It's almost like ma- magic has kind of been demystified because it's been around for so long. So like you go to um you go to to break into a corp headquarters or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I mean think of it like Amazon, you know. Yeah. You go to break into an Amazon warehouse and they have a they have a mage on staff. Yeah. Who has three, you know, spy spirits lurking around in yep. astral space watching the place as well as on foot guards. Yep. Well, you have all your layers of security. Now uh-huh. there's a reason for that. You know, somebody could come in through magic. Somebody could come in through physical. Somebody could come in through the network. Mm-hmm. So you have to have all of these things to keep all of your stuff secure. Yeah. But it's a matter of how much do you invest where. But it's but it's neat to me that it's so mainstream that, mm-hmm. like, the big corporations just have mages. Yep, <laughs> like, it's true. It's true. <laughs> some some guy who is a, who is a, a security card and a suit yes. shows up every day and just pulls out his fifth level wizard spells (laughs) it's true it's true all right so in your in in your opinion what makes this unique what makes Uh, it different than other systems okay so shadowrun it to me it's all about the story it's all about the game world for me um you can say whatever you want about the about the rules they are very layered Mm -hmm. um and so you can go as deep as you want but you can also go as light as you want with it um but for me the thing that does shadowrun for me is all about this unique rich deep living world that they've created and and it's just beyond the player mm-hmm. it's it stops at around the like 500 foot to five you know to thousand foot level you never have any of those things directly interacting with the player what interacts directly with the player are very generic things the johnson gangs uh financial issues uh, the general areas of the city if you're even in seattle or one of the major cities so your interaction layer is still something that the that the GM has total control over. Mm-hmm. They just know that there's all these facets in the world that are very well defined for them to be able to play with. They know their motivations. Mm-hmm. But again, like knowing the the you know uh, knowing the motivations of you know Aztec enterprises, you know, technology. or technology, yeah. It, you know a general idea of what they run, but like there could be a you know a president of one of the divisions who's just doing his own damn thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Who cares, you know? But you know that they're there. You know what they are in that yep. sense. Um, there are lots of dice in this game. Lots of dice. One kind of die, but lots of it. Oh my god, so many dice. So much. Uh, and and I would say too that um you know probably the the, the biggest downfall of the game mm-hmm. for me is the complexity of the rules. Um, it's just simply because even, even at a base level, you kind of need to know what the deeper levels are so you can make your judgment calls on whether you want to use them or not. Yes. And so it gets a little dense sometimes. I would agree with that. I would say that, uh, it, it, it always pays to have someone storytell it first for you mm-hmm. who is embedded, who knows. Yeah. This isn't necessarily a game that you can pick up the book and you, maybe you can, mm-hmm. maybe this is something you can just pick up and read and go through. But for me, it is so much nicer to have 
someone who is so embedded in it that they can they can just roll through the rules like it's no big deal and they enjoy every moment of that. Yes, absolutely. So, um, I also think it's neat that even for the length of this, mm-hmm. and this is neat, there are still resources that were available at the beginning, basically the, the very opening of the internet. Uh-huh. And even before with some of the bulletin board systems, yes, I'm bringing up bulletin board systems for those people who are old enough for it. Those bulletin board systems were translated to initial early websites. Those websites, uh, one was nearly lost. They actually recovered it and it, it got stored on some of the, and it, it's available out there. But mm-hmm. Dumbshock uh, was a site that was available before it was a site. Yeah. It was a bulletin board system. And, like I would be hard pressed for anyone to come back with a resource that is in a system that has lasted that long. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like, they 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 knew that this was going to happen, and like the community wrapped itself around it, mm-hmm. and it's it's there, and they love it. Yeah, Shadowrun players are some of the most fanatical players on the planet. I like, would agree, absolutely. Without being, I would say, as harsh or trolly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I've I, I've never you know, and that's the thing is like I've never known like the the Shadowrun community to be really gatekeepy about things necessarily. Like I mean, you hear you hear horror stories about D and D all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you play D and D? Well, uh, name five dragons, then you know, or something like that, you know. Right. Like, but I I don't think I've ever heard of like a a a, a jerk, you know, Shadowrun gatekeeper. I you know, I'm sure it happens. But... I've I've had a lot of weird fanboys who are just mm-hmm. you know who may like know a little bit more about firearms and love showing that stuff off. Yeah. But, like, they're not nailing you for, like, screwing up that you don't know the number of rounds in a standard Aries, you know, Exactly. They're just people who are maybe at 11 and need to be taken down to a 7 or something. You know, or what the stats on a Smart Link, uh, you know, Smart Link 2 is on uh, foreign Aries when you're using it in with in combination with something else like how the points layer out mm-hmm. and that's just the way it goes but like they'll be there right to help you with that number yeah and pretty much tell you what page to go find it on <laughs> so but uh no I, I i think it's a fantastic world a fantastic system mm-hmm. um and it it makes you want to play it it does it does and and uh, i i there's there's several video games too Yes, um, that are out as well. Uh, that are pretty highly regarded. Yeah, from what I understand. I, I mean, we won't talk some, about the Microsoft one, but there's some bumps along the way. I mean, but well, the the most recent one, the Shadowrun Returns on Forward. Yes. Um, there was a there was a Hong Kong one. There was one called Dragonfall. Mm-hmm. Um, there was Boston Lockdown. Boston Lockdown. Yeah, I've seen some of these that yep. um they they kind kind of highly highly recommended. Yep. They're not a one to one Shadowrun tabletop experience. No. Um, but they'll at least give you the flavor of the storytelling, mm-hmm. flavor of the world. Very much so. And give you at least a sampler platter of how the rules and, and system kind of work. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. Uh, so, I would, yeah, definitely check out, uh, type Shadowrun into your Steam search bar and see if you can find something on sale there. Yeah. They've been out for a while, so you should be yeah. able to find Humble something. Bundle definitely has them. Mm-hmm. And their, their, their sales are good for that, too. Yeah, I think I picked up Shadowrun Returns like three years ago and never loaded it, but for like five bucks or something. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. So You want to get some questions? Yeah, totally. All right. Pick one. Okay, so um, 
Knox in the Box actually asked a great question. Sure. Uh, kind, of, kind of tangentially related to Shadowrun here. Um, okay. But I thought okay. it was a really great question. Sure. Um, as someone who knows nothing about Shadowrun, uh, I tried to look into it a bit. I found it to be very rules slash physics heavy for mm-hmm. certain specific conditions or actions uh, to the point where some of them seemed redundant. Do you think the game would benefit creatively if the rules for certain conditions were more generalized so that new players could make decisions easier and more free of unexpected outcomes caused by not explaining their intentions specifically and correctly according to the game's definitions? Uh, As someone who can't always articulate exactly what they mean, I could see myself struggling with this game. Um... I, for one, am a very big fan of standardization in games. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, 6th edition Warhammer came out, uh, they did a lot of that in their rule book where there was a bunch of disparate rules that all kind of did the same thing. Yeah. And they were like, okay, this is now called random movement. Yeah. Period. Yep. So now, if you see this rule, it reads as this unit has random movement 2d6. Yep. Period. And if you need to know what random movement does, it's right here in the book. You only have to look up one rule for it. Yeah. I think uh, Battletech did that really well, too, in their most recent edition. Battletech did that really well. Um, Fifth edition D&D did a lot of that. It did. It did. Um, So, you know, I'm able to sit there at the table and say, I am taking the dodge action Mm -hmm. as my action. And then my bonus action is going to be, uh, you know, a second wind. Mm Mm-hmm. Where I'm going, you know, exactly, they have names, they have rules, they have standardization across the yes. board. And so there's no ambiguity of, well, I'm not going to move, but I'm just going to kind of, like, watch the guy to see. And then you have to try to figure out, like, okay, maybe that's, like, disadvantage on attack rolls coming in or something. No, it's a dodge action. It mm-hmm. has a name, it has yep. a rule. Yep. You know. So, yeah, I think I think that sort of standardization helps all game systems, yeah. personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the other thing is is that um, Shadowrun is about detail and about pushing that level of detail where you can literally play it down to every piece of detail that you're describing. If I'm hunched, if I'm uh, behind a wall, you know, and I bring my machine gun up over the wall mm-hmm. and I spray, but I've got a smart gun link, I've got smart rounds. My, you know, I'm jacked up. I'm also on drugs. It's raining. The other guy's behind cover. But uh, I've got a view of him uh, because of a decker behind something. I can go to that level. I can get all of that information as a storyteller and put all that into a scene and have all that math come down. Or not. I can pull it way back and just... And play it at a lighter level. I could, I could, as the storyteller of this game, just say, let's see here. Uh, you've got some technology that's helping you. I'm going to call that plus one. You've got someone who's spotting for you. I'm going to call that another plus one for a plus two. But it's raining, so I'm going to call that minus one. So roll it plus one. Yeah. And you, the more... you can do that. And then yeah. none of that's by the rules. No. You know? But you definitely can do that. And mm-hmm. uh, the the system is still well enough designed that if you follow if you follow your own table rules in that sense, that you peel back... Sure, why not? Yeah. I don't yeah. see an issue with that. Heatsink says it sounds a lot like GURPS, and I and I agree. Oh, no, with it's... Layered rules like that? Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is as detailed and layered as GURPS ever can be, but done in such a precision that you don't have to go hunting for it. Mm-hmm. Like, you can play Shadowrun with all of those detailed rules and have all that at your fingertips. Yes. Which is nice. So, yeah. 
I hope that helps answer the question. Uh, the the other thing that I, I think I said in the, in the uh, on the Discord when mm-hmm. we were talking about it in the uh, the questions discussion discussion channel um, is uh, is specifically to your point of uh, having someone who can't always articulate what they mean when they yes. ask to do an action, and then you get an undesirable outcome because you don't right. understand all the implications of things. Um, for me, this is one of the big reasons why I've gotten into the habit of asking my players, uh, what is your desired outcome here? Right. Okay, what are you? what is it specifically you see happening in your mind's eye when you do this if you were to succeed? Mm-hmm. Um, and have them describe what that outcome is to you so you understand not only the story experience but their intentions, and you can kind of base your reaction to what they're trying to do off of that, and you can adjudicate the rule. Maybe it's uh, maybe they need to make their stealth check with intelligence instead of dexterity or something like that. Sure. But, but you can at least understand what their intent is and help them get that gameplay experience out of it. Right. Exactly. Or, you know, my direction on it is is, is that if your players are like, hey, you know, I'm I'm a dexterity person and I'm going to try and trip this person. Yeah, this came up in your game. Yep. Um yep. It's a matter of, is it physically possible? Is it something I can do? Sure. Let's roll some dice and see what happens. And then we'll talk from there. Mm -hmm. So, like, do a skill, move from there. Yeah. So, because I I just find that easier to work with. Sure. So. Um, You want to hit another one? Yeah, sure. All right. Mad Elf asks, uh, well, not the first Cyberpunk game. No, it was not. Shadowrun seems to be the most popular in the genre. And I think the longest running. I agree. Uh, What do you attribute that to? Um, I honestly say Cyberpunk, the game, came out in 88, um, and it was a dystopian future. Didn't have the magic, didn't have any of that stuff. It was much closer to that, Mm -hmm. um, but didn't have the following either. Their books really actually had a lot of errors in them, Mm -hmm. um, like just typos and weird things like that, and some missing charts and things, but the feeling of it was very dark and dystopian, Mm -hmm. and it, it, it didn't have the same kind of rap in the world that Fossa had built. Yeah. And didn't didn't have the follow follow up stuff that went with it. Like there were some side books that came with Cyberpunk, but they weren't as nearly as complete and story wrapping. Mm-hmm. Like even the like the firearms book, the cybernetics book that came out as an addendum that just went into more detail there continued the story. Yeah. And that really made a huge difference. So they kept wrapping story with everything. So you weren't just buying an addendum book on, you know, a class. You were buying more story. You were buying a, a novel, if you will, to write mm-hmm. into it. And so that kept pulling these people in, these people who wanted more information and giving them more things to read and look at. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that really helped pu- pull it along. Uh, from the very beginning, like uh, just the visuals, um, the book had uh, color pages in it. Um, this was in a day in, in, in an age where oftentimes your your source books were just black and white yeah. on regular paper. They weren't these like glossy full color. I mean, you had like you a cover, but that was it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know, you had you had full color play in there um, showing you know all this fantastic artwork um, bringing the world really to life with you mm-hmm. you had all these nice little snippets of story interspersed throughout your yep. book and done in unique ways and and to me like I always felt like uh, like Shadowrun was a great uh, uh, example of that meme you know where somebody gives an example and the boardroom execs are just like all flat-faced and then they say one more thing the boardroom execs go nuts mm-hmm. in the last panel yeah and it was always like you know okay cyberpunk dystopian future flat faces yeah with elves and dragons and magic yeah exactly yeah to me that was what 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 always made it for me like cyber you compare that to like cyberpunk 2077 Mm -hmm. or or 20 whatever it was at the point at the time yeah 2077 is the video game that's coming out now um but you compare those two products together and like what's the difference 
they're both cyberpunk dystopian futures, but one's got this extra something that makes it so cool and so unique. Yeah. That... I mean, Deus Ex was a was a whole genre of video game that yeah, people sure. followed religiously because it had story and cyberpunk wrapped mm-hmm. into it. But even people said that it felt like it was lacking something. Yeah. You know what it was lacking? Hmm. Wage mages. Yep. Yeah. A reason. Like, oh, I'm a cop. Great. Great. I'm an mm-hmm. investigator. Great. You know. With a scratchy voice. Yeah. And yeah. and now cyberpunk, I'm, I don't have to be that. Yeah. I can be anything. But at the same time, like, why am I? That's part of it, too. Right, right. So. All right. Overwatch has an interesting question here. Okay. Uh, Shadowrun uh, has one of, if not the deepest and richest ongoing meta plots in tabletop gaming. I agree. Uh, as a storyteller, how does the does something like that affect building and running a campaign? Honestly, I think it makes it easier. Oh, yeah. By it far, gives me a framework far. to then fill in all of the stuff they left blank. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to go back to my earlier comment um, about how it's how it's overwhelming sometimes. I agree. Okay. Um, because I mean, for for me, there's there's a lot of a lot of different layers to have to pay attention to. You have to, you know, it, it, even just a simple run of like you know your your milk run style uh, thing, where okay, we're going to go break into this facility, steal this thing from these corporate dudes, and give it to the Johnson. That's yeah. it's a very typical run. Yeah, very very typical. Okay, but just from a storytelling standpoint, I need to make the defenses here. Um, challenging but not overpowering so that you can do this job but it, it will have its own challenges to it I need to take into account magical stuff so that one of your mages doesn't just walk in and own the entire place I need to make uh, I need to take into account all of the matrix and virtual uh, uh, layers of security there as well so that's a second layer on top of all that as well as the physical security exactly as well you know and it's just Sometimes it gets a little overwhelming, but at the same time, though, I'm glad all those layers are there because it's super cool. You know, I don't know that I would ever really run Shadowrun effectively, uh, but for someone like Overwatch who does have a brain that kind of works that way and can keep track of all those moving parts, like, man, sitting at the table with him when he was running uh, Shadowrun for us at one time was like great. It was wonderful. And I'm going to call you right out on the air, and I'm going to say I want to do it again. If if you have someone who's dedicated to something, mm-hmm. who really enjoys it as much as they enjoy doing it, it, you feel that. Yeah. And that energy comes out. And when I, it, it makes me want to play in that world. It makes me want to build yeah. things in that world. Shadowrun gives you so many cool building blocks mm-hmm. with which... You know, it's it's the bucket with all the cool Legos in it. It really is. But it and it sets you in just enough framework to give you access to everything. To be able to say, I want to build a game where my players are living day-to-day in a struggle, mm-hmm. have a reason to be together because they don't want to frag each other mm-hmm. for the money because it's better off that they do it together. And then after that, the story can just go. Yeah. You're no longer trying to find the bonds. The bonds will be made. Their initial bonds are already there. So it's much easier. I mean, it, it answers the hardest questions that get asked in most games, which is, why are we getting together? Yeah. And the answer is, because the Johnson's effing hiring you. Right. And that's the person you know you have to work for. And he might have hired you, but you decided you needed a rigger, so, hey, yep. your buddy's playing one. Yep, you know? exactly, exactly. So 
that's that's my take. All right. Uh, so next week's topic, okay. uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about alternatives to dice. Uh, we're going to be playing games with cards, with fudge dice, you know, alternate styles of dice, tokens, Jenga towers, Ooh. rock, paper, scissors. Oh, man. All that sort right of stuff. Right back to LARPing. Uh, so it's not always about the dice, but it's always totally about the dice. You can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Uh, you can listen to us like you might be right now on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. You can also find uh the link in our to our discord and our twitter um or you can go to our website at uh storyteller-conclave.blueberry.net or the new link which is just storytellerconclave.com yeah uh, i want to thank our patreon members as always uh knocks in the box sam arcane asylum and uh, all the rest of you who contribute to us uh, uh month after month thank you so much for keeping this uh the show going our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. No, that was last time. Oh, was it? Yeah, we no, got some I'm new sorry. ones. You're fine. Keep yep. rolling. I'm just reading the show sheet. <laughs> I'm on autopilot. <laughs> That's fine. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gee Frog. You can find them at geefrogmusic.weebly.com. Our outro music you're hearing now is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find her at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine. We'd like to thank our families. Vicky, Sean, thank you so very much for supporting us through all this. All of our friends who uh, listen to us and have dealt with all of our stories for all the years. Our D&D players, our 7th C players, our Shadowrun GMs, and you, our listeners. Every we single lo- one of you. We love you. We love you. Good, Good night. night.